guess it's not safe for work. Think about that before you hit play and listen longer. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Just drink the fucking beer, and you'll get the hang of it. The Tailgate Society presents... Show by the booze, yeah, and then we're gonna get a drink on, and we're gonna party and get crunk and rocked out. We're not that drunk. The next generation. All right, all right. Welcome back to a new episode of We're Not That Drunk. As always, I am your host, Ted Flint. This is the uh, new generation of that not, We're Not That Drunk podcast. The original members, Tom and Smith, have moved on, and I wanted to keep going because I like drinking and talking to guests. So, that being said, we uh, always everything here at the Tailgate Society is brought to you by Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce, the best goddamn barbecue sauce in the Midwest, in the United States, in the known universe. Find all their stuff at deadeyebbq.com. Their mango sauce, they have their hot sauce, they have their regular barbecue sauce, and then they have these new superfood sauces like dragon fruit and oh, I can't get the other one, guana. You other ones that I can't pronounce. You gotta check them out. Pink guava and acaya. Check out deadeyebbq.com. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher. Spotify and iHeart. Anywhere you can find this podcast on any i podcast app, we are there. And go to our website at tailgatesite.com. And anyways, like I said, this is the next generation of We're Not That Drunk. I am joined by my boy Sean Chantez Festerman and Jake, the third rail boss, because Jake always gets me back on track when I am off the track <laughs> and wandering around. And I could not think of a better person to start the new uh, generation than Reed Forgrave. This is his third time on a Tailgate Society podcast. First time in three years though. So hopefully he uh, remembers how random we can get. So how's it going, Reed? I think I was pretty drunk last time because I was drinking some like <laughs> high gravity, high high gravity IPAs, I believe. So uh, yeah, hopefully I do better than I did uh, three years ago. <laughs> I'm good. How are you guys dealing with 2020? I mean, I'm a functioning alcoholic at this point, so <laughs> I've learned you're, a you're lot about for myself, this shit, right? <laughs> Like, there was a spot where I was home with my children for 82 straight days, and oh things happened. Ooh. Like, so, yeah. yeah how, you should have seen. You should have seen some of the messages Ted was sending over those couple months. It got kind of interesting. Yeah, love my children, but 82 straight days home with them can get old. How about you? How about you, Reed? How are you holding up? You, you wrote a book. So I mean, I wrote a book. Yeah. Um, I wrote a book came out this week came out tuesday um it's been it's been hectic man i mean like covid and then i mean i live in minneapolis so i don't need to tell you how crazy um it's been in minneapolis this summer um but uh yeah my book came out uh just a few days ago i'm a little bit bummed because like it's supposed to be this big book tour and i'm supposed to you know we had our uh launch event with des moines public library um because the book is in iowa and about in iowa uh, you know, a little bit of a bummer to have to do all this stuff by Zoom. Uh, I should have been in Miami, Florida doing an event yesterday, but I was in my uh, bedroom <laughs> on a computer. Instead. Oh, <laughs> but, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah, in Minneapolis yeah, getting right. rained on? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it's, already, it, it, it's already turned into, like, well in fall here. But, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it went like, like really it hit Labor Day hit, 
and the temp dropped like 40 degrees. It was just like Mother Nature was like, well, yeah, F you. It's yeah. time for winter. Yeah, you know what? 2020 wasn't bad enough. We're going to make it just a little bit worse. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if not being able to do a live uh, book tour is the worst thing uh, that happens during my pandemic, uh, I'm pretty blessed, I suppose. But, uh, so, yeah, I'd love to talk to you guys about the book a little bit, and then we can – Yeah, that's great because Sean actually really. read the book. So that's why Sean's <laughs> from uh, – he's Sean. from Indianola. Yeah. So, he, he, yeah, so me I, and Jake are going to sit back oh. and drink and let you guys talk for a few minutes. I am actually – I just finished the book this afternoon, and uh, just uh, – it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Um, I appreciate Thanks, everything man. you did on it. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Indianola. I still live in Indianola. Um I grew up between Miles and Zach, uh, between oh, okay. their grades. Gotcha. Um, and so, like, I grew up with all that. Like, I was telling my girlfriend last night, uh, I go, it's kind of surreal reading that because, like, every time, you know, I've ever read a book, it's you kind of make up the faces and the voices and the way you know, like, how you create these people in your mind. And I'm, right. Like, right. Coach, Coach Easter was one of my favorite coaches when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And so like, I can hear everything, you know, that you have written out in that book. And it's, it's, it's really good, you know, beyond that, you don't obviously don't need to know these people to know that there's a profound and great message um, in a, in a tragic story, more or less. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it hit home, it hit close to home for me, obviously. And uh, I was really happy we could get you on and, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you ever decided, you know, ever covered this. I love the GQ stuff you did a, a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, it's 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 been fantastic, man. I I appreciate it a lot that that story's been shared. So, I, I would um, imagine it would be really really weird to read a book about your hometown. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I it think is, that'd be like a, a bizarre experience. Uh, yeah, it's it's strange because, like I said, there's parts that you know where you talk about like drive from Des Moines to Indianola and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I know exactly where you're at on that road. You know, I know the things that yep. are on that road. I know where that first Corinthians billboard is, you know, on the highway <laughs> down. Um, so it's, it, it was a little weird to like kind of live in the book as I read it. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a fantastic book. I, I'm so glad that you picked it up. It's like, uh, you did a fantastic job and I'm, I've pushed it to as many friends as I had, as I can find, um, to, to go grab a, a copy. We're, so. we're doing a, a fundraiser event with, uh, the foundation on next week. I think it's Tuesday. I should know this. Uh, CTE hope is the, uh, foundation that uh the easter family started after zach's uh after zach's suicide um but it's uh, a really impressive foundation but uh but yeah I, I, just like for the uninitiated like the books about a young man 24 years old named zach easter um you you knew zach sean did you know i, I assume you know uh, yeah i knew i knew zach a little bit um i knew uh miles a little bit better like i was i was a year yeah. behind him so i was two years ahead of zach but yeah i, I mean i knew gotcha. them both and so well you know it's it's weird because it's like i wrote a almost 300 page book about a guy i never met um yeah I, first time i ever heard his name was in his obituary and uh he you know for your other two guys like he, he had committed suicide after uh 
you know, all these concussions have been built up, most of them from football, a half dozen or so that were diagnosed and who knows how many more that were undiagnosed and really went through a you know, downward spiral um, uh, after, after high school, especially. And just, uh, I mean, he struck me as just this charming guy, like the guy next door who's who everybody loves and he's a little bit crazy and he's a jock, but he, he, he doesn't like, he's not one of the jocks that kind of like excludes other people. Everyone's friends with Zach. Uh, and he's got this devious side, but it's always sort of like harmless fun. In a, in a weird way, he kind of reminds me, like when Brenda, his mom, talks about Zach as a kid, he reminds me a little bit of like my four-year-old uh, son, <laughs> uh, my younger of my two kids, which is a little scary, right? Like right. just a guy who who's willing to just throw his body out there with no fear. Um, and he's a little little bit crazy, but in a good way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Indianola, obviously, for that story. And uh, Zach's dad, Miles, um, I mean, he's he's such a, a tortured character in this book because I, I get the sense that he, he, he's one of those, like, tough guy football coaches that every player loves. He's, like, sometimes he's going to motherfuck you, but, like, he's doing that out of love. Uh, yeah. And he feels, I mean, the sense of, of guilt is very real. And then like, you know, like we talked about in the book, it's like he, he has the, I don't want to say excuse, but like he knows that when, when you were playing football, when Zach was playing football, uh, this was in the, you know, 2000, Zach graduated in 2010, I believe. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't know, we didn't know about concussions. Right? We knew about them. We just didn't know the full, you know, junior sale hadn't happened. Uh, the, the media, frankly, researchers and scientists are just starting to talk and make these connections between uh, concussions and football and CTE. Uh, I shouldn't say just football, contact sports. Um, so so I, I think in a way it's, it's good for his own state of mind that, that he can authentically say he didn't know. I think parents and coaches now are in a weird way in a, in a more difficult position because – we we do know these dangers, and I don't know. I watched I watched NFL quick kickoff game last night. I still watch football. I'm I'm not sure if I let my kids play football. Um, I know my wife would, so it doesn't matter what I say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think there's a. I hope the book like lived in the grave and it didn't come out. Hey, football sucks, or hey, football's the best. But it kind of like, you know, we just talked about football can be both things. It can be. It can be a huge right. positive for society, and it can be a huge danger for society. And uh, we've got to figure out the risks and the rewards. Yeah, I think that's covered very well. I think he did a great job at kind of balancing that line of, you know, especially, and so like I said, it's, there's a lot of personal connection. Like you talked to, I know, uh, like Coach Kluver was my head coach also and all that stuff. So, um, and like the whole story about when Sue started as the athletic trainer, like, she started my freshman year of high school. Oh, so like, man. so like that whole thing of just like when we went through that preseason concussion protocol, they're just like, okay, well, here's some simple questions we're going to ask you. Like every single person, coaches and players involved are just like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. Like we're never going to have to use this <laughs> again. This like, woman? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's, you know, and I went through my four years of high school in, in that, program and talked about you know 
I still have my stories that I tell people just, yeah, man, you know, there were a couple of times I just woke up on the ground. I got knocked out in practice. Like it was just, that was just football, you know, that's the way and people clapped about the hits you took and stuff like that because like it was good hit. It was, you know, way to go. And um, yeah. And when you look back on some of that, it's just, Oh, that's really scary stuff. You know, it's, um, but no, I think, like I said, I think you did a fantastic job uh, not to get too sidetracked on it. Cause I could sit here and talk to you about the whole thing for, for three hours if we had the time. Um, but no, I, I appreciate everything you did with the story. I think you did a great job of covering it. Um, it didn't even strike me until you said it to start that like this whole thing was about a kid that you never even got to meet. Um, and that's that's wild. The uh, did, by the way, did you ever when you were playing football? Did you ever win one of those big hammer T-shirts <laughs> they gave for like the, the big hit of the week? No, I did not. I, I may have. Oh, come on, man. I may have been on the receiving end, like in practice, okay. if, if that ever happened. But I played a lot of JV. That was. Uh, <laughs> I was not that the dude lighting like up my, the film room. Uh, Sounds a lot like my high school baseball career. Best damn <laughs> backup catcher in North Allegheny High School uh, history. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I watched a couple of, a couple of kids on my team. Of either I don't know if the other schools in the area gave out similar things, but I watched some of them take some of those hits and dole out some of those hits. So yeah. I watched Jeff yeah. Woody just completely destroy one of our linebackers fixed his helmet in the middle of a play and then run 60 yards for a touchdown. So, uh, Jeez. Jeff Woody, that's a, that's a sounds, name I haven't sounds heard about in a like while, Woody. man. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's awesome. Listen to me. Listen to me here. That's awesome. I just wrote a book about concussions and suicide. Wow, that's amazing. God. Yeah. It's just a up. It's a messed up culture, right? Like, I, I, I think it's changing, um, but it's, it's a pretty ingrained culture um especially when you have even someone like me who's like i still sort of take this perverse joy in those those big hits i mean it makes me sick in my stomach when it's a big hit to the head but uh i don't know like those big hammer t-shirts they're pretty much the same as like that espn segment they said like he just got jacked up right like it's no difference all of the same of the same culture I could talk about this stuff all day, but I but 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 I but I feel like I have to stop. <laughs> you guys still no, hear me? Uh, well, for some reason the connection dropped out. I'm back though. Uh, oh, no, I was gotcha. gonna, I was gonna say. Um, so I haven't read the book yet, but I have heard you talk about it on like Murph and Andy and Sports yeah. Fanatics and, and the with those guys a lot. And uh, I read the the GQ article, so. I I even appreciate the hell out of what you've done with the story. Uh, I'm from Newton, Iowa, so like I'm not too far away oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. from Indianola, and uh, like I'm a year younger than Zach. Played football, um, not really that type of reckless person, but you know it's just, it's weird to uh, or kind of crazy to listen to uh, a story like that, and. Uh, and and just to to think about that happening to somebody, it's it's wild and it's kind of sad. But then, yeah, we we continue to love the sport, so it's pretty pretty interesting and hard. It's it's weird, man. Like we can, uh, I feel like I don't know if it's humans or Americans in particular, but like I feel like there's a remarkable ability to like 
compartmentalize our morality in a way um, and just say, yeah, this is dangerous, and yeah, I love football, and just be able to go to a game and and pretend that there aren't really, like, kids' brains at risk. Um, I do think, I mean, I I do think football as a culture, NFL on down to, like, youth football, have done major things in the past decade or so uh, that have taken taken the big hits, the big hits to the head out of the game, uh, mostly. Uh, I mean, there are still sometimes where there's a Vontae's perfect type hit that doesn't get flagged or doesn't get kicked out of the game, and you're like, what in the hell? But uh, overall, they've done a good job with, uh, you know, what I'd, what I'd call unnecessary roughness. But, like, the scarier part to me, when people talk about sub-concussive hits, uh, the, the, the smaller hits to the head, uh, that happen, you know, if you're a lineman, 50 times a game, 60 times a game, and the buildup of those over time, like that to me, and like science doesn't know uh, the full impact of those over time um, and probably won't know for a decade or two. Um, but that's that's the scariest thing because that's necessary roughness and that's like, that's part of football, and that's like an existential question for football. Well, that, you, can't, uh, the, you, can't, you can't take all violence out of football. Or yeah, you football. can't take it all out. That's, I think that's the interesting part about you saying, like, it's almost scarier now for um, adults making the decisions um, whether to let people play, whether it's their kids or whatever. Uh, because, yeah, that is the stuff we don't know. Uh, we know, obviously, that uh, hits to the head, concussions cause – bad things to happen weird um that we had to figure that out um by brain disease and stuff but uh <laughs> but we don't but we don't know like if the fixes that we're trying to put in place are going to do any good and we probably won't know yeah for another at least decade right so uh i think that's a pretty yeah. scary or curious thing whatever yeah that's yeah, some of the stuff that, uh, that yeah you you touched on in the book read of uh you know I'd, there's one of the guys that says like we're on the front end of like a 30 year curve of learning this stuff. Um, right. And yeah. it's just, uh, but even looking back and again, I, I could sit here and gush over how great the book is. Um, but like even doing the, the history of like just the sport of football and, you know, when you go back and it's just like in 1905, they almost eliminated the game because it was so, you know, violent and killing people. Um, whether it was spinal injuries or brain injuries and stuff like that. And just now we're a hundred something years later and we're just going, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not great. <laughs> maybe they were onto something. Um, it, it's just terrifying like, what the outcomes are, you know, are possible. Yeah. The, the I mean, the, the, the chapter in the book where I went to a, uh, brain conference, uh, traumatic brain injury conference at the University of North Carolina. Me and a bunch of brain surgeons <laughs> dumped <laughs> in the room asking this dumb ask questions. But like uh, the, the phrase they kept repeating there was the infancy of the science. I, I can't tell you how many times I heard that. And it's like we're looking at like cancer in the 1950s here. Um, and we, we think because we're such an impressive evolved society uh species country whatever that we can and should be able to fix these things immediately and like 
as a quote member of the media, like the media kind of prize those narratives. Um, but like, I, I think COVID is is just a perfect example of how we can, things take time, and even when we have a whole world pushing toward one goal, we don't know when when this thing is going to be solved. And I think concussions. There's, I think there's an analogy between concussion science and COVID science and trying to figure out oh, the yeah. vaccine and, and everything. Yeah, that, because, uh, I mean, I think it gets us, into, you know? you're not just looking for an answer. You're looking for, like, the right answer. You can't just start throwing stuff at it and going, well, maybe this will work. Um, yeah. Like, there's steps to it where, you, you know, maybe this will work a little bit better. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not very often you just get slapped in the face with, oh, we accidentally fixed this sort of scenario, uh, which, which is scary, you know, and it's, it's the stuff, you know, it's, it's people's brains, livelihoods, even, you know, as is covered in the book, the entire of a person is on the line right. Um, right. And, and that's that's so scary to think about that we're just now in the last couple of years uh, going yeah maybe we should fix this <laughs> right. right I know man and it is it is amazing that that there would be the denialism uh, I mean NFL had some denialism uh, for for a long time with concussions, but I mean, just among all of us. No, like, the NFL would never kind of deny comp- anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're a very yeah, straightforward, like, honest like, organization. <laughs> it's like common sense, though. It's like you get hit in the head a lot, you're probably going to have issues later in life, you know? Right. Or at least there's a good chance of it. But yeah, there's a, re- there's a reason punch drunk boxers are a thing, right? Dude, there, yeah. I, I, I was... I, the part that I enjoyed most about this book was researching the history of football and the like the history of brain science. And so I looked at all these. My uh, my uh, wife's cousin's a doctor, so he's able to get me into like PubMed, which is like like where they have all the published papers, like medical papers from the history of time. And he printed off of them for me. And I was going through this page. I think it was like from 1948, and it was a study of punch drunk boxers. And this guy who was this well-known scientist that did, like, brain surgery stuff. His name's Harrison Martland, if you want to look him up. <laughs> but he, even then, in 1948, he's like, yeah, this is a thing in uh, in boxing. And in this paper, he's like, this is a thing in football, too. And just was just a blip on the radar. Uh, so it's – and he was essentially discussing CTE, more or less. Uh, it wasn't called that back then. There wasn't a deep understanding of it. But – uh it is amazing how we can, when we love something, uh, we do, I think we as humans just do a really good job of looking past uh, the problems with it. Yeah, unfortunately. But like like you've mentioned, they're, they are starting to, uh, we're, we're really starting to, you know, do research on this. Is that what the, the uh, CTE Hope Foundation raises money for? I know you said there's a fundraiser. It looks like it's, I think it looks like next Saturday in Des Moines, right? <laughs> So we have one. We have like a virtual fundraiser on the fifteenth, and I, I got to get oh, this right. Oh, okay, right. that's what you're talking about. Uh, and that's Tuesday, Tuesday the fifteenth. So everybody yep. should come donate. I'll, I'm I'm gonna be doing some sort of reading, and then Zach's mom and his girlfriend uh, will be speaking as well. Uh, they're, they're both awesome, 
and it's uh, in conjunction with Page Turners, which is a uh, cool indie bookstore in uh, in Indianola. And it, yeah. Um, but but yeah, but one of the one of the things that Brenda, Zach's mom, is most excited about, like they're 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 putting some money and effort uh, toward scientific research. Uh, I think they're doing something with Drake and something with Iowa State University. But what Brenda is super excited about is this saliva study um, and the, the hope. And again, it's like this isn't something that's going to be like, oh, by the 2021 football season, we'll have this test. It's like we're talking a long ways down the road. But the hope is that you get a big hit on the football field, the hockey rink, or cheerleading practice, or, you know, wherever it may be. And you go to the sideline, and instead of doing the guesswork on, you know, is this person concussed? What day is it? Uh, look at the eyes, uh, stuff like that. You know, he, there's a lot of guesswork that goes into that now. Uh, be able to spit in a cup and uh, enzymes, proteins, biomarkers in the saliva uh, can then tell you, yes, this was a concussion. Uh, this is how the brain reacts to a concussion. This is the enzymes they release. This is a concussion. Or no, it was not a concussion. That would be huge uh, because one of the one of the most concerning things with concussions is when you get one and you go back and play and you get another hit to the head. That's when things get yeah, really dangerous. Yeah, just compounds, right? It's like exponential yeah, terrible. almost. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that, 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 that is something that the, uh, uh, the foundation is super excited about. But again, it's like 10 years, 20 years down the road, 30, who knows? But uh, scientists just spoke about that when I was at that uh, at that conference, these blood-based biomarkers, uh, Brenda's focused more on the saliva-based biomarkers, but think about those as like the holy grail. If we can get this, we can really uh, make a huge dent in this crisis instead of just, uh, you know, improving it around the margins. Now, that's all. it's awesome um, that the situation isn't awesome, but the uh, the the direction it's gone, and credit to Zach for what he left behind um, that that it's yeah. been taken in a positive direction, right? To to uh, to hopefully uh, get some change and some positive out of what is not a good situation to start with. So, yeah, I, I think of those those journals that he left behind, and sort of the instructions that he left behind for his parents and his family. That's sort of a blessing, right? Like, instead of just being like, everything is bad, everything is terrible, here we are and are experiencing the worst thing that parents could ever experience, they can say, everything is bad, everything is terrible, but Zach gave us instructions of what to do next. And we can kind of move, move through the grief, never actually get over it, but move through the grief. And I think uh, it's given them a, a purpose uh, in a sense. Okay, well, now that n- not, I don't even know how to transition away from that, but we do like to have some fun on this pod, Reed. Uh, you've been on a couple what? times. I think I think you're probably a little more. Coherent. Oh no, we've lost him. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a little more coherent than the other, at least the last time, from the way it sounds. Uh, what are you drinking tonight, by the way? Uh, I'm drinking a. Uh, have you guys ever had pamplemousse? I have not. A what? <laughs> I, it's a it's a it's a, it's a Lacroix. It's a it's got the Pamplemousse Lacroix. I don't know. You guys might kick me off the podcast right here. At least I got my book <laughs> plugged in. I uh, I I uh, I've been drinking too much this uh, <laughs> during COVID, so like I gave up drinking for the for the rest of this month as of ah, like okay. 
four days ago. In um, no way I can I fault you for that. <laughs> I think we, I think a lot of us yeah. could probably use that at this point. So I'm not going to really judge you for it. I think we've all I looked think... in the mirror at one point in the last six months and went, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So you said, uh, you said pamples? Like, that's a French word for grapefruit. Grapefruit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I Googled it, it's and it came up, and I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense, I suppose. It's, it's, it's the best of all the LaCroix. And I've had, like, four LaCroix tonight because I'm like, I need something to chug on a Friday night after such a week. <laughs> um, I had, like, a bottle of champagne on Tuesday night um, after, like, the launch event. And then I'm like, all right, I'm done for the rest of the month. And then, like, last night I had a shit day where my our, our pod where we're trying to – trying to hire a nanny for our kid and two others blew up last night because of a crazy parent. And I'm like, oh, that whiskey bottle I just got. It looks so good right now. Yeah, you got to lock that stuff so, away. It's, <laughs> one person lock it, somebody man. else hide the key. It's <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you oh, gave man. up the, uh, the pseudo-soup for the rest of the month, huh? You, know, you still I, drink I the pseudo-soup? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that is uh, one of my favorite beers. Uh, my, my favorite right now is probably still like Todd the Axeman. Uh, ah, yes. Certainly beer up here. Oh, yeah. It's a great beer. But I went to – so I was in Iowa um, late July with uh, one of my one of my buddies who used to be the one Register. He lives in Carroll now and a few other buddies. Uh, we did a, you know, theoretically socially distanced camping slash cabin trip. Uh, and we canoed the Upper Iowa River, and uh, we went. I, I went to uh, Topland Goliath for the first time. Uh, oh, you hadn't today, been there like, before. At, at oh man, it was amazing, dude. It oh, was that place so is so cool. cool. Yeah. Oh, it was. And I, I went to uh, what's, the, what's the new small brewery there? Um, Pulpit Rock. It's called, yeah, Pulpit Rock. I went oh, there because yeah. I got there like an hour before everyone else did, so I just went there by myself. And, but yeah, I'm, they got some weird ass beers, but like really good. Um, yeah, they uh, they're one of the bizarre. newer, smaller breweries that a lot of people haven't really figured out yet because they're in Decora. They're so far away from like Des Moines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were great, but I, I felt like like going to going to the Tap and Glass was like a that was a uh, like a pilgrimage, you know. Yeah, for and sure. That is the prettiest. That's the prettiest part of Iowa, dude. Like. North it really, I'm sad it's so far away gorgeous. from Central Iowa. Yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. But it's, the core is a cool town. Upper Iowa is a great, great canoe spot. Um, that would have been a good, that would have been a good couple nights for me to do the, uh, the two drink. <laughs> <Pod. laughs> yeah, and, uh, I can only imagine. Oh, goodness, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Top and Glass, man, that makes me beer. Ted, are you here? What are you, what are you guys? What are you guys drinking? Make me, make me jealous. Make me start to shake. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm drinking a Turtle Hunter, which is from Big Grove. It's a hazy double IPA. Good man, good man. I mean, you're going to be I'm super totally bummed. Good. I'm, I'm basically drinking what you are. I'm drinking black cherry white claws. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> past, past Labor Day, you're not allowed to drink that as a man. Okay. <laughs> that that works. Oh That's man, the last. The last two years of my life have bad news written all over them. <laughs> it, just, it just hits the spot. It's just it's so smooth. Once it hits your lips, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of a cold white claw on a hot day, man. It's, 
replace Budweiser for me. That's a great, yeah, great I, bad summer drink. It started, I think, two years ago when I was at Hinterland and uh, just a big music country, basically country music festival in St. Charles, Iowa, that uh, it kept me away from drinking Coors Lights and vodka lemonades all day long. Um, <laughs> which was a blessing and a curse, I guess. So, uh, and then I kept, I kept doing the vodka, but I've wanted to go to Interland for a while, man. That sounds like, that sounds like a great, they always have like some really cool bands. Uh, sounds like a great festival. It's, Um, it's so much fun. If you ever, if you do ever make it down, hit me up. We do, you know, we go big in, in my group. It's me and my sister. We do VIP camping. <laughs> and we just, which oh, yeah, just cool. means they give us a bunch of drink tickets out the gate. We, we have some friends who are moving to uh, Tennessee in like a couple weeks from Minneapolis. And uh, you I tell me like, you're going to Bonnaroo, I'm going to fight you. I've been, I've been to Bonnaroo twice, man. <laughs> um, I've been twice, and I, and I had them promise me. I'm like, in like a year or two, or whenever like COVID's gone, we're gonna do the like rent an RV and do like the old people with kids, and you know, you have like a little bit of comfort at Bonnaroo because two times I did Bonnaroo, it's like eight in the morning and it's 85 degrees, and you're just smoked out of your sleep oh, after yeah. four hours sleep and a massive hangover. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, oh God. I went once, which was ten years ago now. Um, wait, wait, wait I, what year did you go? I went, I went in 2010. Okay. I, I went, uh, yeah, there's, so that was, I went with my sister. She had been a couple times. I know she was there in 08. It was 08, the famous, like Kanye's a shithole person year, or was that 07? Yeah, dude, that was when, uh, <laughs> so my favorite band of all time was the Saturday night headliner Pearl Jam on the main stage. And yeah, I, I got oh, nice. Super drunk, and it was it was awesome. But I don't really remember that much of it. But Pearl Jam plays maybe a little bit long, but it's like maybe eleven thirty, and Kanye is supposed to go on at one. And I was like, I would love to see Kanye. So a couple of my friends went to some other shows. It's me and my my then girlfriend now wife, and we're, we're just like sitting there, and they keep pushing back the show by like a half hour, and the <laughs> show starts in. In at 1 a.m. and then it'll be like at 1:30 and 2 and then 2:30. I think we left at 3 in the morning just to go back to sleep and like pissed off and everyone's saying Kanye sucks. Yeah. And then he came on. I think it was at 4:30 in the morning. Oh yeah, and I was heard so he supposedly put on an amazing show because he's. I I do, I don't like Kanye, but I love Kanye's music, man, and. Uh, I was kind of bummed I didn't stick around, but that's just that's just stupid, you know. Well, I'm sure um, in that time frame it was an incredible show, but yeah, he pushed he pushed off his stage time like four hours. I uh, know, man. And especially like you said, like to... from the year I went, there, there's nothing where like you wake up, it's the first weekend in June in the middle of Tennessee at seven thirty in the morning. It's ninety nine degrees in your tent. Like, and it, I don't want to be going mean, to bed man. in that. Like, that's <laughs> no way. Yeah. 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 Not cool, Kanye. Not cool. But, yeah, I, I, I want to go back to Bonnaroo. Even though, like, the last music festival I went to, I was like, I'm done with these festivals. I can't survive these. <laughs> 
All right, Reed. What's the uh, cla- okay, class? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, really quick. Bet- okay, no, no, no. I-, I just wonder. Single best concert day of your life. Um, is it like, can I do? Can I do a round? Can I introduce a roundtable question? Or is that Hell yeah, the, that's that's what we were gonna roll okay. into. Some questions. Let's do it. Okay, so that's my roundtable question for the group. I'll start with my answer. It was the first music festival I went to. It was 2006 Bonnaroo. Uh, at at the main stage in the late afternoon, we, we we planted ourselves at the main stage because we wanted to get closer for the for the headliner that night. And uh, we saw Elvis Costello late afternoon. Got a little bit closer. Saw Beck, who's one of my favorites of all time, who put on what at that point was the best show I'd ever seen in my life until the next show, which was Radiohead, and they put on just an absolutely killer show, which I watched on YouTube a couple uh, months ago uh, just to, like, see if I can remember any of it. But uh, that was the single best concert day of my life. What about you guys? Oh, man. This is going to be hard because I did – so, like, I I think – top to bottom just festival experience i've had more fun at anderland but as far as like concert days of the the bands i saw oh man it'd have to be from that year i went to bonnaroo and it's it's tough uh so (laughs) the friday that i went just the main stage had damian marley and nas tenacious d and kings of leon um, the Flaming Lips played in the middle there somewhere. LCD Sound System, Kid Cudi, B.O.B. were in there. Um, Did I you think... see the Lips, by the way? Because I'm looking up their lineup. They played Dark Side of the Moon. Did you watch that show? I did. I, did. I have a bunch of pictures of it, but like I'm from so far away, and I have a digital camera from 2010, so they all look like <laughs> shit. Um, Could be anything you're watching. Uh but then that Saturday, I watched I watched Stevie Wonder open for Jay Z. <laughs> oh my god! Which oh, was that's amazing. wild. Um, wow. And in, and cool. I think in between, I went and saw. I think Weezer was playing a set, like kind of in between. Um, and then it, I know, like that week. Not to get into the entire weekend, like that weekend ruled. I think that whole that whole Friday, it just you know. Because I did the whole, we went to Damian Marley and Nas. At, I, I think they played at like one in the afternoon, so it was hotter than shit, and it sucked. Yeah, right. Um, Tenacious D, and then in Kings of Leon, we actually did Tenacious D. We went and watched, I think, LCD Sound System, and oh, then, cool. and then we started to leave, um, but we were at like the very back of the campsite, so it was literally like a two mile walk back to our campsite and Kings of Leon started playing. And I was like, dude, I go, I'm not going to miss Kings of Leon. So I walked back. Right. Um, And then at the same time, like as soon as that got done, I think it was B.O.B. and Kid Cudi played a stage back to back. I was like, well, I'm just going to park right here and I'm going to watch this for the rest of the night. And I did that till like three 30 in the morning. And then I went home, you know, went back to the tent, just started back up the next day and, but de- by day three of a music festival, you just like death warmed over, you know. Like, oh yeah. I al- I've always like lost my voice by then. Feel like feel like shit. I can never pace myself. That's my problem. Oh yeah, it's you get so excited that first day, and then it just just carries through until you just don't want to be there anymore. 
I've never been to a, a fest like multiple day festival, but uh, the old school laser. Well, I call it old school laser fest. I guess when the last year that they had it at the Indianola Balloon Grounds. <laughs> yeah. That that was um. So this this is a set list, and I love like rock music. So. Art of Dying, Avenged Sevenfold, Black Label Society, Bolt for My Valentine, Chevelle, Escape the Fate, Face Cage, My Darkest Day, Rev Theory, Saliva, Seether, Stone Sour, Theory of a Dead Man, Three Days Grace. I think all of those fall within my top 20, like, rock bands, as far as, like, modern <laughs> rock goes. Yeah. Um, so th- Three Days Grace is, like, my all-time favorite. So getting to see them live was fucking amazing. I mean... Uh, especially with like all of the the original members or whatever together still uh, that because the lead singer left in like 2014. Right. Uh, that was really cool. Um, but the highlight of that, and I didn't even know that it was really going to be the highlight. Um, I like Slipknot. I don't like love all of Slipknot, but I love Stone Sour Stone because so good. Corey Taylor is fucking amazing. <laughs> But what I didn't yeah. realize is that I, I'm pretty sure Corey Taylor's better in person live than he is on like a studio recording. Oh, he's and I don't even, live. I don't even know how that's possible. He's, huh. I've never, it's, I've never it's, seen him or them. Uh, but that guy, that, that guy, that guy does rock. He's awesome. It's, it's weird because like, and I have always loved Slipknot, and I watched, I went to, I think it was 2009. Maybe when they came back through Des Moines, like it was their first time back in like 15 years or 10 years or something like that. Um, and I went to that show, like even with Slipknot, he's so much better alive just as a musician, as a vocalist. It's incredible. Um, he's, he is a talented dude. And um, yeah, man, that'd be fun. I, I think that was one of the few years of, laser fest that I actually missed just because I think I had seen enough of the bands that were in it before live. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to go fight that crowd sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some good laser fest. Like there was the year I saw Godsmack and Alice Cooper and uh, I don't remember who else was on that list. Like there were some good bands and like that was, that was a lot of fun. Like, you know, it's one of those things is you don't miss a chance to say you, you got to go see Alice Cooper. <laughs> I was going to laser fest at Stained. Does that count? I, hey, you're back. He is yeah. back. I've it's seen, the- I've seen Stained. Well, no, I haven't seen Stained. I wish I could see Stained. I never saw Stained. I've seen Saliva roughly 15 times against my own uh, will. Oh, it's, you don't it, like Saliva? I will not. Stand I liked. I used to like saliva, and oh. then I think they just showed up and basically were basically the dude with a guitar playing Wonderwall at every concert I ever went to. <laughs> they were just there playing the same set for ten years. Yeah, like, they probably didn't do that because they had they had like five really really good songs that they could play <laughs> over and over. And will, will you just leave us alone? <laughs> Is Corey Taylor still putting up music? Like recent music? Uh, he is. He actually just released a yeah. song not too long. It's a solo song not too long ago. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Flaming Lips <laughs> just came out with a new album this week, by the way. And so far, what I've listened to is really good. 
Who was that? Sorry. Dealing with Ted got picked out again. So. What? Flame, flaming Lips. Oh, who played okay. at the first uh, 8035 um, in Des Moines. That's another oh, one that often, often gets like some pretty good acts that... Yeah, yeah, I did get to I did get to see all the living members of Wu Tang Clan at eighty thirty five. So that has to be up there. <laughs> cool man, automatically <laughs> qualifies. Seeing the roots at the eighty thirty five, which must have been in two thousand seven, maybe somewhere around there, seven or eight. They they the way that they came out for their set, it was like right at sunset, and. They had one musician come out at a time, like adding each of them. And the first guy to come out was a, was a tuba player. <laughs> he just like just laid down a bass line with a tuba, and then they bring out like a drummer. And oh, and they it, built on it. Guitar. That's awesome. Oh, dude, it was awesome. It was, and they just like immediately had the crowd like in their fingertips. It was awesome. Yeah, that's a really really cool, cool. idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, I miss live music. That's the thing I miss most this summer, going to see shows. It is, yeah. It's I don't I don't even remember who was on the uh, the Hinterland list, but it was it was good, and I was excited, and it was one of the last things kind of around here to get canceled, and I was so bummed. <laughs> but they offered to match my tickets for next year, so I guess I'll be there next year. Because next year is going to happen, right? Next hey, year is going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm no, just going to say like two words because the, the internet's going to kick me off again. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did, but I upset somebody. The FBI's pissed at me, and they're making my like, – there's some FBI agent. There's some Hawkeye FBI agent that's listening <laughs> to this shit right now. And he's just like, I'm just going to fuck Ted's life up tonight. Just He's just laughing there, typing on whatever FBI, CIA bullshit that they are. So I am back. <laughs> Ted, Sorry, do you have Reed. anything I, you want to uh, you want to specifically ask, or you want me to ask my question? You can well, ask you your question. Me. Okay. Can you hear me? Am I here? Yeah. Like, yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're still there. Oh yeah. You sound <laughs> good. Fucking Christ. <laughs> so we uh, ask question. Yeah, this show, like classically in the past, <sighs> there were questions that got asked, or, or got maybe got asked, depending on how long it went, but. So I'm I've got my own question that I want to ask whoever we get on here. So we're talking about well we talked about uh, sports in general when we first got on, but uh, so what sports feat would you rather do? Uh, like a walk off home run, a buzzer beater three pointer, OT game winning goal in a hockey game, a 50 yard field goal as time expires, or a 70 foot putt uh, in a playoff to win? And any of these are to like win a a championship or a major or whatever. A hundred percent, a hundred percent walk off home run. All right. Cause like there's so, so much tension in the air. Right. And that, that feeling when you, when you swing through the ball, not that I've ever like, not that I hit many home runs ever in my life. <laughs> the feeling that I imagine it would be where you just know it. That's gotta be like the single best, like most orgasmic sports feeling ever. Yeah, yeah I, think that's fair. I, th- I, th- I think that's fair. I think that's probably the answer, uh, at least for me, and this coming from uh, also from someone that has never been close to hitting a home run, I think I probably 
made contact with a bat when I was about seven years old at some point, but that was probably about it. So, um, I, I didn't play baseball growing up. So really, so what were that you saying? One... Yeah, go ahead, Ted. Would you, would you, would you bat flip read? Like, would you showboat when you hit this home run or would you like just put your head down and run? Yeah, yeah, it's so close. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd probably, like, I'd probably hurt somebody. I'd, I wouldn't do a bat flip. I'd probably, like, throw it, you know? Get kicked out of the game before I uh, cross home plate. Um, yeah, I'd go, I'd go nuts. I think baseball, frankly, needs more of that. Like, I want I want Bryce Harper, you know? I want uh, Yafiel P. I want, like, the I want the, I want, like, the asshole players to give the game a little bit of drama. So, yeah, I, told somebody, I told somebody the other day, if we figure out human cloning tomorrow, it just needs to be, there needs to be, every roster needs to be Fernando Tatis Jr. top to bottom. Love <laughs> That's Jr. it. Just heads up 25 Tatis Juniors against 25 Tatis Juniors. And that's what you get. <laughs> the fact that made him apologize is such horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had another I, one the other I, night, didn't he? That he just uh, he just like just basically dropped the bat, like he's dropping the mic. <laughs> Dude, when when you're that good, man, I think it's like as long as you can back it up, I respect it. Nothing worse than the guy who like talks shit but can't back it up. But if you can back it up, I'm like more power to you. Be cocky. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm team talk shit all day. Uh, um, no, that's my thing. Just like, dude, it's, I think I posted it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, just one of my favorite ones is Mac, Max Muncy when he hit that home run off Bumgarner and he was talking all that shit. And he goes, dude, you don't like it? Go get the ball out of the ocean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's always, so that's always been my thing with it. Like, if you don't want somebody to, like, pimp the shit out of a home run, then throw a better pitch and don't get a home run hit off of you. Man, look how much more fun the NFL was when they started like letting like celebrations not be like penalized. Like baseball would like just improve its popularity if they're just like everyone just being a, like not an asshole, but like just racket it up, right? Every single yeah, play racket totally, it up. It's a good. It's a good point about the NFL. It used to be the no fun league, right? But they, uh, it's 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 kind of kind of like child life. But I love like the choreographed celebrations. They're hilarious. Yeah, it's just the dirty bird took it way too far, apparently. And that was just, that's where we had to draw the line. I still remember, was it, it was K-State that lost their bowl game because, like, the guy, like, saluted the troops or some shit. Yeah. And they threw a flag. And then they missed, oh, uh, they so missed the extra point. Like, that's such an Iowa State thing right there. That's an Iowa State way to lose. <laughs> I'm surprised when I was, like, in band at first. So, to be honest. That is an Iowa State way to lose, man. I was I was like, at what year was it when Iowa State lost to Texas? It was the year that Matt Brown was on the on the ropes, like 2011. Oh, the, the road speech. The it was the, J, yeah, the Jeremiah George strip, not strip. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Stri- Jeremiah like, George stripped that fucker at the goal line, ran it back, and they called the fucking ball dead. And that was that was I remember being at that game, being like. I went to Mizzou, so we have our own ways of losing in pathetic ways. But I remember playing <laughs> that game like, oh, this is what this is what all these Iowa State fans are talking about. I can identify with this. 
Like that's there's some shitty luck involved or like whatever. Yeah, so. like Horton Tucker leaving his shit luck. You know, when he when he recruited Horton Tucker and Tyrese, he didn't recruit these guys thinking they're gonna be one or two and done. He thought they were gonna be yeah, a four year. You don't think a, you don't think a Tyrese Halliburton is gonna be a two year guy that ends up in a shitty draft class and he's gonna be a lottery pick so he's gonna leave right. So like. That's there, stuff like that, that, or you you don't think that a THT is gonna gonna end up with uh, the agencies with and get a hell of a deal with the Lakers, even though he should probably stay another year and leave. So like, yeah. it's stuff like that that, uh, and just in general, I'm not usually a a run the coach out of town type of person. So I'm not, I don't yeah. want to run Steve up. Like the the harsh thing about Prome, and I know like Reed, you told me you're not like walked into like uh, college basketball much these days. Is like he doesn't understand Hilton Magic at all. And that's like yeah. the biggest criticism. Like he just he like I would say player will make a three, the crowd goes nuts, and he'll call a timeout to like try to like capitalize on that instead of like letting just it flow. Like we like joke about how like his coaching DVD will be called "Timeouts After Made Baskets," like because <laughs> that's what he did. like. It's just it's funny, man. He can recruit. He can re- like I guess like he has a decent team yeah. this year, but it doesn't help his cause now that somehow. Brand McCaffrey has decided to get Luca Garza dropped into his lap, you know, and if they play this right. year, the Hawkeyes are going to be really goddamn good, right? No. That you mean the undraftable player of the year candidate, Luca Garza? <sighs> yeah. Amazing. That's amazing, amazing to me. That's, uh, that, that he, yeah. I, it's I so, it's sure so wild. It, it shows yeah. how different the – like the NBA is even from what, probably 10 years ago, like Luca Garza is a first round pick like 10 years ago, probably. Right. And now he's just like a guy that's going to play all of his college out and, you know, have to probably work his way through the G league and prove that he can play in the NBA. You know how funny it would be to watch Luca Garza try to guard Luca Doncic. (laughs) Just be a bloodbath. The biggest, the biggest miss that I ever had in NBA draft stuff uh, was kind of relating to that same, same way of thinking. Uh, that like I thought Jaleel Okafor was going to be a superstar. I was like, mm. this guy is because he was uh, a Duke dude. He, the guy was he was such a good post player. He was so good. And he was. He could do a lot of things. A little bit, a little bit weird body, but like, he was just made for, I don't know, nineteen nineties basketball. Unfortunately, well, I mean, that's the thing with Garza. Like, I understand like everyone screams tells about how how he would be in the NBA, but I just don't. All right, I was a high school wrestler, so I just don't understand how there's not a spot for him in the NBA. What he's seven feet tall, averages twenty ten. Like, can't you throw him out there for ten minutes a game in the second quarter? Right, I just don't. I don't get it. He can't move. He's just not man. fast enough. <laughs> yeah, he just he doesn't move. Well, he's the, the yeah, I mean, because, because the way that the again, NBA what do is drafted. The NBA is drafted. I'm not now, getting right? paid as an NBA scout. <laughs> well, like everybody, they use their high draft picks on guys with a bunch of potential. You know what Luca Garza is going to be? He's going to be the yeah. the stereotypical like five, you know, five guy that all the teams have, and you can go get in the late second round or as a free agent. Like you don't have to pay a bunch of money for those guys, so or draft those guys. So maybe he'll go to Europe it's and play like Thomas. You know, go back up. The. Uh... I got the uh, Raptors Celtics game on in the background right now. And, oh, I uh, do too. I bet the under. 
But like, there's so many dudes that like the NBA misses on because they don't they don't fit the their definition of what they think a basketball player should be. Like Fred VanVleet, man, like that dude is a that dude is an assassin. He's a winner. He's like he's like Chris Paul, um, just like the way he thinks about the game and the way he's a leader. And they completely no no one thought he was the NBA player except for Fred VanVleet. Yeah, it's um, wild because so, huh. like you 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 see now like what he's doing right, and you go back and like well, I remember watching him and just thinking about it. it's like well yeah of course you can like why did nobody think that that guy could do anything in the NBA like look at him watch what he did in college like it he was really good right but then you also right, have the yeah. guys that are like superstars in college that you think should translate and then they just don't so it's well, it's, it's like a pretty weird like- thing. Utah got drafted and Niang didn't, but Niang's getting, well, I guess not anymore because Jazz are done, but, like, he was getting playoff minutes, you know. Monte Morris is getting major playoff minutes, and, like, he went in the second round, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's impressive, right? Like, I mean, like, Monte Morris and Fred Van Vliet are, in a way, like, sort of sort of similar, but people, people thought they couldn't make it in the NBA just simply from, like, the measurables, right? And both of them are just, like, smarter and tougher and worked on worked on stuff that they uh, needed to work on. And, like, give me the character guys, you know? Like, that's, that's that Raptors team, you know? They're just all character guys who are also talented at basketball. But, like, but like I, I love, like, the Kyle Lowry's and the Fred Van Vliet. Like, give me a team full of those dudes. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see because everybody, uh, you know, in the NBA talks about like getting like the big three or like having the superstars, and then you see these teams that, you know, like that team, like the Raptors, that just don't they don't necessarily have that or them, but they just work because those guys yep. care too damn much. And on the relative scale, they're you know quite a bit bit uh, less skilled, but they just they've always worked. Yep. So that's what they do, and it, they I really want a Raptors well. heat series just to watch them like beat the shit out of each other is that like <laughs> me to say that like, those games are gonna be like 82 85 like like no scoring uh that would be awesome actually I'd, i i think like the tv stations would hate it but uh yeah that'd be great by the way like iowa native nick nurse might be i think you can make an argument he's the best coach in the nba or, remember or he got hired out of those days as assistant for all of two weeks, and then he got he fired. He was there for like five minutes, right? <laughs> <laughs> what year was that? Is when Fred left, right? No, it wasn't right. It wasn't when Fred left. Was I thought he got, got hired, hired on Fred's staff and Fred left. I mean, I'm sure I'm wrong. No, it was it was, in, it was before Fred. It was like when Fred came in. Pretty sure. Twenty ten. Station. Like, like it was, he, he made yeah. He made it was like five thousand dollars. Jeez, for that. I'm pretty sure it was like the McDermott. Like, yeah, it was that weird stuff that happened, and he got hired, and then McDermott left, and so then they like said, "Oh, okay, never mind. We don't want you or whatever." Yeah, so when, when McDermott left for Creighton, that, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a weird, it's a really weird situation. McDermott leaving for Creighton is like one of the weirdest like win-win situations for everyone involved. Like, right. like. Yeah, I don't know who didn't benefit from that. 
Well, not very often do you have a coach like realize that they need to go somewhere and find a better place that maybe is like a whatever a step down, but and then it, it yeah it ends up benefiting the school that they leave too because they get to go find a different guy that can make it work better. Well, Such just, an odd my scenario. Favorite, my, I, my favorite McDermott story is like he didn't recruit his own son to Iowa State because he didn't think he could play <laughs> in the Big Twelve. Like that shit just is wild to me. Yeah, is, great. is this son still in the NBA? I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. Or is he somewhere else? Yeah, he's in the Pacers, man. Yeah, he's somewhere else. I didn't want to throw out names because I'm so lost in where people are in the NBA at this point. Yeah, Reed knows. I couldn't have told you where. It's only his 12th team or whatever. Still I keep forgetting Harrison Barnes but... is making a bajillion dollars a year in Dallas. No, he's in, is he in Dallas? No, I don't think so. I think he's moved on since then. See you again. I don't know. I don't uh, remember where I was at for the infamous Harrison Barnes. Uh, oh, he's in Sacramento. Even Zoom? worse. What was he? What was it? What, what did he use? It wasn't Zoom. What did Harrison Barnes use? To, uh, Skype. Destroy everybody in there. Skype. I think it was Skype. Before Skype. Reed, were you reporting Hell, that shit went know. down? Before your, this? What is this? What is he talking about? When he when Barnes like he literally team. invited like the Iowa State like pep band to Ames to like do his announcement, and then he like brought up Roy Williams on like some video conference call to say he's picking North Carolina, like yeah. even though he'd been practicing like in the uh, Iowa State like performance center like all winter. As Wikipedia says, he Skyped Roy Williams to announce his decision. I, yeah, I remember like, where I was uh, at in my freshman apartment. Like, just, I won. I was so fucking angry. I guess my sophomore apartment. But, like. That sucks, man. That really sucks. Like, I just imagine, like, McDermott invited the, the Iowa State band there, and then Barnes is like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not staying here. I'm out. <laughs> like, like, thanks for the music. So. But, <laughs> that's a dick move. I mean, I love Barnes. Like, he's good at I'm, not, I'm not bitter. He's, he's awesome, awesome for the town of Ames. Yeah, no, I think in it's, it's interesting how shitty that was. But like, I don't, I can't tell you a person that like an Iowa State fan that's like, oh fuck him. So I don't like that's a no, like a I really mean, weird we all love dynamic. Now. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to love a guy. I mean, sure he is. He's making what'd you say, 118 million? Is that what he signed for? Sacramento, something, something too large. He's but, making right, money. Something that's that was like, what are you doing, giving him that contract, right? Like, <laughs> all right, Rick, I know you, uh, you want to get going here. I have one last question. This is my favorite question to ask. Yeah, man. And we'll let you get going. If, if your essence was a scented candle, <laughs> what would it be, and what would it be named? Like, Pam, like Pam, what would it Pample like? Moose, I think, right? <laughs> like, it would be named Pample Moose. <laughs> I think that's. Is only appropriate. Um, my essence. I mean, it would probably smell like like farty jogging shorts combined with like <laughs> like uh, like socks. <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> and, and like it would be called. It'd be. It would be called. Don't put that shit. Like put that shit in the laundry. I think is what we call. That is because that's what I hear from my wife when I just leave it, leave it out in the hallway. Um, Beautiful. I was just, my my soon to be eight year old son was making fun of me earlier today, being like, "Daddy, you smell bad." Like, oh man, no, I don't. 
I had my, my five year old come a few weeks ago while I was going to the bathroom and turned the vent on and then go tell everyone <laughs> that he did it. Oh, no. <laughs> pretty funny, man. <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll go with Pample Moose because I think, I think Pample Moose also reflects my personality. I'm just. I'm like a fresh cut grapefruit uh, in summer. <laughs> mm. So, oh yeah, that's funny. Okay, I'm Thanks for having me on the podcast. This is from I'm I'm, I'm, extre- <laughs> I'm extremely jealous. You guys are all drinking right now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make it till October first. <laughs> yeah, what's her? All right, we're we're gonna have to have you on again because I haven't got to experience you while you're drinking on a podcast. Not like I'll talking talk. to you anyway. So we're going to have to reach back out no. to you again when, when uh, after the month's over at some point. When the world opens up again. Like, yeah, there we go. Like, yeah. Yeah, right? All right, guys. Well, so, thank you, dudes. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah. I'm going to go, uh, go, go hang with the wife for the rest of the night. So, yeah, and root for no uh, points. No points this fourth quarter. Yeah. Lots of no bonuses. <laughs> right. All right, guys. See you. Oh, yeah, thanks, Reed. We'll talk I appreciate later. it, Reed. Take care, Thank man. you. Better, dude. Bye. Bye. Well, we got there on exit music. We can't use Journey because Journey's our matinee baseball music. Who we got here? I, I don't know what you have in You're the, the one looking at there, the man. Yeah. I'm looking no at it. I'm looking at it right now. I got a bunch of Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger. <laughs> hey. What a dude, though. Yeah, Tez, I'm pretty sure we we could have just sat here and talked to him for an hour, well, longer than an hour and a half on that book, because even even the stuff that I know about it is yeah, and uh, so fantastic. And, like I said, it, we could talk about it off the pod, but you know, it's for anybody that's still here. Uh, <laughs> I fin I finished it this afternoon, so yeah. If yeah, you, you read that send it to you. in like two days um, or some shit. Yeah, I pumped it out quick. Pages? Um, so yeah, if you guys want me to send it to you, I happily will. Um, I read the article and I, I know I'm I have afraid my wife never sees the book. She'll never let my but, kids play football again. So like, you just, I'll take your word on it. So like, more worried to worry about that. But, uh, <laughs> so I play think I found the exit music, music for tonight. Does that fit? Play that funky music, white boy. <laughs> I don't have that one. I can't make music out of my ass. That's something that's already there. <laughs> Like I got to find shit that I've used in the past. So, all right, boys, the good can only go up, right? Hopefully, my shit doesn't work. Doesn't work next time. So, and uh, yeah, I'll talk soon. Take care, everyone. <laughs>